Hey, welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host and I am freaking excited today. I have I have a guest on that I really think this guy is going to blow your mind. Um, he is a good friend of mine, a client of mine, and the, the dude is, is you'll see. I, I want to welcome my buddy, Corey Calvin, to the show. Corey, welcome. Oh, to the hey, show. how's it going? Oh, snap. <laughs> I love it. Love it, hey, dude. Everyone. dude. How are you? Dude, I, I, I'm, I, I really, I've really been looking forward to having you on. We've known each other for quite a while now, and... Um, you're you're uh, you're just one of the smartest freaking people I know. Like oh, you geez, are. Man. If if I had a face for radio, my face would be blushing. <laughs> Dude, you really are. Like you know, like uh, the the stuff we've had some long, long conversations, and and the stuff you know, like, is unreal. It's just unbelievable what the heights that you've hit in business and the. You know, so anyway, we're going to get into all that for now. Why don't we start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. We do hit those highs in business, but we also have to hit the lows. That's right. Uh, uh, hi, Sherry. So I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. I have lived here my whole life. Uh, grew up in the cold, grew up in the hot. Mom says I was born on a really snowy day, and I think that's why I really like the cold weather. You know, there's some people that can't live here because of uh, the cold, but uh, I, I enjoy it. I, I like it a lot. So, yeah, Colorado, the Rocky Mountains is kind of where I call home. And is that like Denver? Yeah, so, I, yeah, I was born in Denver proper, you know, but okay. uh, I live, yeah, I live about 30 minutes north, kind of up in farm country. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. Every time I think of Colorado, I think it's just it's just Denver. <laughs> but there's so much more to it probably. Well, you know, it's really funny cuz Colorado's divided right down the middle. The east side of it is all plains and brown. The west side of it other than, you know, what's out near Utah is a really pretty Rocky Mountain range. It's it's gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, awesome. Denver's kind of the hub. Denver's the hub. There's there's not much going on outside of Denver. There's a little, you know, metropolitan areas around, but yeah, yeah Denver's Colorado pretty much. I, I <laughs> spent the night there one time on my way to Vegas dr driving out there. Um, and I, I, you're right. When I got west of Denver and started, like, I remember coming down some mountain on I-70, I think it was, and there... There was a semi truck whose brakes were on fire. Literally, like oh, there was there were flames shooting out of his tires. I believe it. I, that that blew my mind. I'll never forget that. So so you grew up out there. Is that where you stayed? Is is out there in the in the? So have you ever like moved to? Uh, I don't know Phoenix. <laughs> no, I no color. Well, you know when I went to college, I did. I moved to Laramie, Wyoming. I went to college there for a while and that's college in Laramie is brutal because the, the <laughs> wind and the snow that's up there and the below freezing temperatures nearly, you know, all the time. So, <clears throat> Oh, Pamela grew up in Cheyenne. She did. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. She knows. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've been there too. It's beautiful. It's <laughs> you know beautiful. they say Wyoming totally. sucks and blows from both ends, so it's it's really bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They do what? <laughs> what? They say Wyoming sucks and blows from both ends, which is true. <laughs> it's so windy. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I don't I don't know. So so okay. So you grew up out there. You're you're all things because I know you drive a big old pickup truck, like a big old pickup truck, right? So, yep. Is that kind of like required to live there? <laughs> you know, there's a lot more people driving Teslas and Priuses, uh, which they just get in the way of all of the big pickup trucks. <laughs> but an SUV, four wheel drive, snow tires, front wheel drive, you got to have it here. And there's so many, you know, we get more people coming in from California and Texas inflowing into Colorado that have no clue what snow is. They've never seen it, they've never driven it, and, it, and it's a mess. So right. those mornings when it shocks them and surprises them when they wake up, they're all in the ditch before they even get to work. It's oh horrible. my gosh. Yeah. Wow. But my yeah. wife's on here too, Jill. Hi, Jill. So, so, so you, okay, so you went to grade school, middle school, high school, um, you went to college in Wyoming. Yeah, you know what's funny though is I actually, I actually did not make it past eighth grade. Uh, I failed eighth grade, and I, I can't remember why. Uh, but I had to go to summer school that that summer, and if if I hadn't gone gone to summer school, they were going to hold me back. So the transition from middle school to high school, uh, I had to do a little bit of extracurricular type things to get there because back then, growing up, I was I was an honorary one. I always wanted to know. You know, uh, I always wanted to get in trouble for some reason. I don't really know why. But I, think I, I, knowing you the way that I know you, that does not surprise <laughs> me. <actually. Yeah. laughs> so, so you, um, wow. So you had to, you, you had to do summer school just to get into ninth grade. Yeah. Wow. And, and then I, I did, I did really well. And <clears throat> I didn't learn to read until the fourth grade. It, for some reason, I just really struggled with it. <clears throat> and I had a great teacher who told my dad that and said, you know, what is Corey interested in? And he said, you know, he loves driving this, these heavy machinery uh, equipment at the farm. And she said, well, why don't you bring in one of the owner's manuals? And he goes, well, well, <laughs> that's not going to work because it's written at an eighth grade level. He's not going to understand it. And she goes, let's just try it. So he brings in this huge Bobcat 853 owner's manual. And that's how I learned to read because it was something that I was interested in. So by the time I got out of the fourth grade, I was reading at an eighth grade level uh, because wow. I was reading something I was interested in. So yeah, interesting, interesting thing coming up. I uh, couldn't read in fourth grade, couldn't pass the eighth grade, did, did great in high school. I wasn't an AB student. I was more of like a, a maybe a C student average. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting though. Wow. So that is interesting. So you didn't, you didn't want, you didn't want to read is what it was. You weren't interested. No, I, yeah. Cause back then I didn't see a point in, in reading. I just wanted to go home and drive my go-kart. That's, wow. <laughs> that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I love that. So, so, um, when you said you got in trouble, like what kind of trouble did you get arrested? No, I didn't go that far. 
No, oh, I, it was it was more just mischief type things. I got you. You know, like uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm sure somebody <laughs> has seen or done this, but you know, when you're in school, they have those acoustic ceilings. If you get a pencil really, really sharp, and if you lay it in your hand and just toss it up, it, that you can stick them in the ceiling. You know, things Real, like I'm gonna I'm gonna teach my nine year old how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jill's gonna love that. Oh gosh, but yeah, fun, you know, funny things like that. Wow. So, so, um, you got into high school, you made it through high school. Yep. And you decided to go to college in Wyoming, which isn't far from you. Like that's how how, it was far enough to be like away from home, but close enough that I could come home on the weekends. And I usually did. I I drove home. Right. Right. I didn't want want to stay in Laramie. (laughs) Yeah. It gets cold out there. So, so you now, did you finish college? I did. Uh, so my, it's funny enough, my degree is in specialized diesel technology and business management. One thing that I wanted to do in high school and growing up on a farm and being around all of this heavy machinery is I wanted to be involved in building diesel engines. I wanted to to have my hands inside of these huge ginormous horsepower engines. And I'm I'm talking the ones that are doing like 15 to 2000 horsepower, big big diesel engines. And wow. so um yeah, that's what that's what uh that's what I went to college for and that's what I specialized in. Okay. I I don't think I know anybody else on planet Earth that has a degree in that. Do you? It's a I, well. I'd have to go check. It's yeah, yeah. it's kind of specialized, but uh, <clears throat> that's how that's how I got my start in business. Was was right there. I was the only I was the only kid in college that had a garage. All of the others had to park at the student housing outside, and they never let them work on the trucks outside. Well, once they found out I had a garage that was heated and insulated with an epoxy floor, they're like, "Hey." Uh, can we work on your truck tonight after after class? Right. I started monetizing it. I'm like, if you guys are going to keep using my garage, you know, <clears throat> and then I started working on the trucks for them. When I graduated college and I came back to Colorado, I decided I was going to start my own little diesel business out of mom and dad's Kwanzaa shed. So a, a Kwanzaa shed is those half moon buildings that you see like out in Kansas and Oklahoma. Okay. And the reason that they're these half moon shapes, because everybody's always curious, why why would you do that? They are actually tornado proof. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, tornadoes tornadoes uh, have a really really hard time disturbing that type of structure. <clears throat> Is that a concern in Colorado? We do have some tornadoes. Yeah, come through Colorado. It's we get them every year, but okay. sometimes they'll hit the metropolitan areas and. Was it like maybe like 10, 12 years ago? We had one come straight up the lane here and it 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 got a lot of cities. It, it tore up a lot of stuff. But it's it's very few far and in between, you know, in the <clears throat> in the big I-25 corridor that's here in Colorado. They're usually out east. Okay. Okay. Yep. So so um you started working on diesel engines in your mom and dad's Kwanzaa shed. How many square feet is a Kwanzaa shed? They're I mean, all sorts of different sizes. Oh, um, are they? Yeah, okay. you can build them in, in big and small. This this thing didn't have any electricity. Uh, the doors were kind of wonky. There was a lot of wind and, and cold that blew through it. So 
I remember I went to Home Depot and I got these two lights to work on, on my very first truck. And then that first truck turned into the second truck, a third truck, and it started going really, really fast to where I had 20 diesel trucks sitting in mom and dad's driveway at any one time. And I, I couldn't figure out how to get through them, but my, the demand was so high for this young kid to be working on these trucks. The word got around really fast that, you know, this is the guy, if you want your truck done right and fast, this is, this is the kid to do it. He knows what the hell he's doing. He's very, very good. He's efficient. Uh, and so that word traveled super fast because it was a small town. Right. And before I knew it, I had all these trucks. And are, are we talking like semi trucks? Uh, yeah, I guess I should have clarified that. Uh, they're they're just uh, pickups. Diesel, oh. you know, yeah, medium to light duty diesel pickups. So the Dodge, okay. Cummins, the Chevy Duramax, the Ford Power Strokes, those trucks. Wow. Okay. And then I got into juicing them up to where we would take, you know, a stock Ford pickup and we would turn it into a thousand horsepower truck. And that's where I found my niche was right there. And uh, that's kind of what made me famous in the diesel world was being able to jack these trucks up and and make them, you know, fast, race worthy, sled pulling. You know about sled pulling. You're from Ohio uh, where these tractors pull these big sleds. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, well, in Colorado, they started pulling them with trucks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. So, so you, um, so you kind of got, that sounds like you kind of got into the, the race racing world a little bit then. I did. And, and if anybody has seen that movie Ford versus Ferrari, I kind of liken it to that where Ferrari was kind of the flagship of the Le Mans race. Right. And then Ford, when they were when they were struggling, they wanted to get into the racing business and they thought that they were going to try and buy out Ferrari. Well, uh, they couldn't do it. Ferrari declined it. So they decided to build their own racing division as the underdog. And I think now Ford has like so many of these Le Mans titles from the 60s where they beat out Ferrari. And that's kind of what I was like. There was one of the largest diesel companies in the world right here in Colorado, right in my backyard. And they were always the top dog, always competing. And I thought first I was going to go try and partner with them. And they said, no, (laughs) like, all right, I'm just going to do this myself. I'm going to build my own truck. I'm going to build my own brand. And I remember the very first time when, when I went up against him in, in a super modified race and I beat him by four feet, it's on YouTube. You can find this on, on YouTube, this, this pool. And that's where, that's where it started. That's where my, that's what put my name on the map because nobody ever remembers second place because you're the first loser, you know? And so (laughs) I had to make sure I was always the first. And then that's how my business blew up because everybody in the stands was my audience, right? Those are my customers. Yeah. And so as we grew this business, uh, well, the, the, (laughs) the county commissioners came by and said, hey, we think you're running a commercial business out of this agricultural zoned building and you can't do that. And I'm like, damn. Uh, uh, So here's, I had a choice to make at this time. It was, and I remember my dad coming to me and saying, hey, you, you can't keep doing your business here. And so I was doing well enough, but not quite great enough to where I could have quit and, and, and been fine. You know, no harm would have been done either way, but this was the tough decision I had to make in my business. I either make a leap 
into the scary zone of huge, huge building, lots of money in rent and built and, and this lease and everything else and all of this new equipment, or I just quit and give up. And I remember it took me just a little bit to make that decision. I was young. I was 20, I was 21 years old at this time. Jeez. I said, you know what? I got to start before I'm ready. I have to start before I'm ready. And so I did. I made the leap, built this ginormous diesel business uh, in Denver. Dad took all of the, the publications. I was in all of these huge diesel magazines, eight lug diesel power. I was getting recognized. I was in the newspaper. I was always in the news. And wow. so Dad took that and sent all of that back to the, to the college. The college latched onto that and said, hey, we want you to be a part of what we're doing and how we're promoting the school. So for four years, we partnered with, uh, <clears throat> with the college to travel to the FFA conventions in Ohio and in Indiana and all of these places. And after, after four years, Corinthian, Corinthian Colleges acquired the diesel company. And so at that time, I'm kind of like your your, di your diesel yeah. company. Yep. Now hold hold on. Let let me let me back you up here a little bit. So I, I want to talk about the obviously there was a hater that reported you or something <laughs> for for running your diesel business out of an agricultural area. You were forced into making a decision. Do you know this? Do you know this person here, Kate? Yeah, my sister. I know. Sister. Hey, Kate, how are you? So um, you were forced into making a decision to either shut it down or at 21 years old or go all in and and really go for it in, in the business. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you when <clears throat> it, it's kind of a tough to, it was for me anyways, it was a really tough decision to make. Yeah, because I it was the fear of the unknown. I, I didn't know no. what was going to happen. But what I did have was the faith and the vision that I could build something big if I just went for it. Right. So that I think that was the big push. That was the big thing. Like I could build something ginormous if, if I just do and go for this. Wow. And I was young, too. I remember when when we moved into that building, the the uh, the guy who owned it was like, you know, you're kind of young. You kind of have a new business. And I he goes, I'm going to take a chance on you. I, I, I truly am. But he goes, I, I, I'll promise you, I'm a little little afraid that this may not work out. Right. Yeah. Wow. And then it did. You 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 made news and publications and and like ended up selling the company. Yeah. And so when it, when it went back to Corinthian colleges, they, in, in Pennsylvania, they've got campuses all over the, they all over the U S when that okay. happened, they opened a advanced and light duty diesel program because they took everything that I had. And now, because that's what at the time, that was the huge niche. This was in 2010. 2010, if you guys remember running around all of these highways, you always saw those diesel trucks that poofed all the black smoke that pissed everybody off. Yeah. Well, that was a huge niche in the market at the time. Lots of people monetized and capitalized on that piece until the EPA came in and completely shut it all down, which killed a lot of the aftermarket diesel companies. So I got in, 
rode the rode the roller coaster up and then got out. Thank God at the time. Uh, but Corinthian wanted to capitalize on all of that right market and and students were completely enraptured and and this was it was like a moth to a fire man that they wanted to do this kind of kind of thing wow. so they put it in their curriculum in the in their college so it was, it was kind of cool that is very cool yeah. so so they they gave you a billion dollars and and you retired i think it was like two but you know i, I wasn't going to count it <laughs> You're like, once it's over a billion, who counts? Yeah. So <clears throat> now I know, I, I don't know how much, but I know, I'm sure you did well. Um, what, so after you got out of that, did you have to do a non-compete or anything or? <clears throat> five years, five years. So that was kind of weird because when you, when you let that go, that was my baby, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I don't have kids of my own, but I liken this to my baby. So when you lose that, you also kind of lose your identity because everybody knew Corey as the high performance diesel guy. Like I, yeah. I, was, I was the go-to person in Colorado for this. In fact, we had a lot of people come from drive in from California just to have their trucks worked on it at our shop. Uh, wow. But it was weird. You lose a sense of who you are. You lose a sense of self and you lose this weird ass. And and I'm so young, you know, because I didn't I didn't really understand how any of that worked. And it just disappeared. Yeah. And I'm kind of I kind of laughed. I'm like, God, who am I? Like, I, I didn't know who I was. It was it was. Bizarre. I can imagine. Yeah, it, it was crazy. So so here you are now under a five year. Five years is a long time for a non-compete, dude. So five year non-compete, you are, you don't even know who you are at this point now. Now, did that mean you weren't even allowed to like tinker on these for friends or you just couldn't go into business? Couldn't go into business. And I, and I did tinker on these uh, for friends. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. In, in another shop, uh, just kind of on the side because I was so, I was still so into it and it, it was it was hard to, to just completely cut that off. And it, it kind of set me back just a tad that, that will, that will crush, that will crush your spirit. And even though it, it all sounds like a good thing, yeah, it, it truly does. And it, it's a psychological thing that happens and uh, it, it took me a minute, but one thing that was really cool that I think helped me uh, in 2008, two years before all of this happened, I, grew up listening to my dad tell all of these stories about him flying airplanes and uh, taking them off at the farm and flying them up over the mountains. And he showed all these pictures, but I was always wondering like, gosh, where the hell are all these airplanes? And why can't we put our hands on them? I was always curious. And he, he told us that he stopped flying when we were born. Mm. So one thing growing up that I always wanted to do was to get into an airplane. I always wanted to fly. 2008, I had a diesel customer come up from Houston and he's a captain for United. He said, Hey man, I will, I'll teach you how to fly. I could do that. And so I went and bought all of the books in 2008 and I started studying. He got furloughed from the airlines when Continental and United merged mm. and moved back to Dallas. So I gave up on my flying dreams and just, just said, okay, fine. That's, that's not going to work. But at the same time, back when that diesel, I'm going to back up just a tad. When all of that was happening, I was up late one night watching late night television and up pops Dean Graziosi. I'm sure you guys know who he is. And he, back yep. then he was hawking his real estate book, Be a Millionaire 
be a real estate millionaire is what it was. And I'm like, wow, that looks interesting. I want to be a real estate millionaire. So I called in, didn't know if it was a scam or not, gave him my credit card information, kind of forgot about it. And, you know, like three weeks later, I got this book. So back then I tried to do flying. I tried to get into real estate all the time while I was also building the diesel business. And I had this conversation with my dad at the time. And he, and he said, you know, you need to be focusing on what's bringing you money. He said, because cash flow, the lack of cash flow will completely kill your business. And if you start chasing two rabbits, they're both going to escape. So I gave up flying. I gave up real estate. And I just went back into the diesel business. And now I'm looking back, kind of kicking myself in the ass for not getting into real estate in 2008 when the big crash happened, because we all know what happened after that. Oh, yeah. yeah total, totally kicking myself in the ass for not doing that. But um, yeah, so when the almost the day after that, uh, I got out of the diesel business, I went straight to the airport and said, hey, I want to I want to learn how to fly airplanes. Yeah, so they partnered me up with this really young kid. And I was kind of nervous, but I found out he was a CFI double I MEI had all of these big credentials at 18 years old to teach and to fly. And that was Dude, my what, 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 what'd you just say? He's a what? He's a he's a CFI double I MEI, meaning he had the credentials to train in a single engine, in a multi engine and to train students uh, to fly with instruments which is an amazing accomplishment when you're 18 years old. I mean, seriously. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. So you part your, or he's, so he's your teacher. He's my, yeah, he's my CFI. <clears throat> it took okay. me six months to get my private pilot's certificate. It's weird. We don't call it a license. It's called a certificate. It's, and I don't know why, uh, but so six months to get that. And I started flying immediately was interested in helicopters, went over and started working on my helicopter rating. The crazy part about this is on my second helicopter flight, my training flight, the day after, this is, this is kind of tragic, but the day after that exact same helicopter was up in a training flight with my instructor and they were hovering over the top of that airport. This was the next day. Yeah. And at 300 feet, the rotor came off. Oh, and it killed them both. What? Same helicopter the day after. Oh my God. And, uh, that's, wow. yeah, that's when, uh, that's when I gave up helicopters for a little while. So that was, uh, yeah. that was a little creepy to, to, to yeah. that, you know, because they, you know, they call that nut on the top. They call it the Jesus nut because that's what it is. <laughs> Because there's only one nut holding that whole rotor on. That's all. That oh my is. gosh! I know. That's I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. never been in a helicopter. Probably for that reason. Yeah, the, I mean, if if you ever do get in a helicopter, make sure you get one of the bigger ones. Yeah, yeah. So so you you decided okay. Everybody's going through life looking for signs, right? <laughs> there's your sign. That that's all I would have needed. Like, yep, nope not doing the helicopter thing. So, so you moved on from that. What, what happened next? Where did you go from there? You know, it's funny you say the sign thing. And, and one thing that my dad always told, told me going through life, he said, you know, going through life is like driving on a highway. 
And on a highway, there are road signs. And if you don't pay attention to those road signs or to the red flags, what's going to happen? And I'm like, um, you're probably going to crash your car. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he said, life's the same way. As you travel down the road of life, there are road signs. And if you're not paying attention to the road signs, you're going to crash. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, same, same thing in same thing in life. Uh, we, we have these we have these road signs. We have these red flags that that we have to be paying attention to. And uh, who said it was it Gabby Bernstein said uh, rejection is protection. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's that's totally true, but I think it's true to some extent that, you know, that happened because you were probably going to get in the helicopter the next day. So, Jeez. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So after, wow. after I started learning how to fly and got completely enraptured and enthralled in aviation, that was kind of my new home was flying airplanes. I enjoyed it so much. I got so much fulfillment and 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 happiness out of being up in an airplane and it's it's a weird thing that happens especially when you're solo you're up in the airplane and you're kind of flying around and it's just you and the wind under your wings that's it there's some radio chatter but yeah. it's farther out east away from the metropolitan areas it, the chatter really dies down and it's just you and the wings that's it and there's wow. a little bit of serenity and peace to that you kind of forget about everything else that's happening in the world. And it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, but, but when I got stressed or was having a hard time, I would, I would always go get up in an airplane because I could completely forget what life had to offer at that point. And just, yeah. um, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, just let it go. Yeah. So, yeah. Flying, flying has been, somebody asked me the other day, they said, what truly makes, what makes you happy or what makes your heart sing? And I found out it's flying airplanes. It, it's, it's, yeah. So I, I found, I, after the diesel, I found my new happiness inside of the cockpit of an airplane. <clears throat> that's awesome dude yeah and i know you love to fly i've i've seen uh a lot of video of you you flying i know you love that um so you're you're known though and dude here's the crazy part like i i you know you don't know what you don't know right about especially about people oh, and i think you know it's been what in the last couple of years you and i have gotten gotten even you know become better friends and 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 i i learned that you have invested in i don't know one or two apartments yeah just a couple just a couple <laughs> no dude you're like you you now have this title the creative investor guy right or or is that it is that official yeah and and this is actually a really cool story uh, yeah, I want I want you to tell because I look for for anybody watching, and I'm just can I just can I tell them the number? <laughs> I yeah, I, I mean I, I don't brag about it, but yeah, you absolutely can. Dude, this guy owns over 5,400 apartments. Five that's 5,400 <clears> plus <throat> apartments, and that your partner's in with other people and. And that you um, and you have a bunch of single family home, a bunch of single family homes. Yeah, there. yeah, not, yeah, several dozen. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, and he's so humble. Look at this. He's like, yeah, I own an airport too, but you know. Man, one day, one day. You know what I'm working on right now, though, is the Honda Jet. I, I, I will have a Honda Jet in the next couple of years. There, there's no doubt about it. I've already got I it figured it. out. I love it, dude. Yeah, I'm going to be like mini Grant Cardone. <laughs> a mini Grant Cardone. I think you, you're, well, he's, he's kind of accelerated. I think he saw that you were coming up on his tail with the number of um, units and, and he's like, oh, we can't have that. Yeah, man, man, he hit the floor. Gone. He yeah, he's got, he I think he almost have like, does he have almost like 2 billion in, in, in holdings now? I don't. It's it's a it's around yeah, it's a billion okay. and a half. I think it's crazy, dude. Yeah. So so talk about you. What got you into um, real estate? I mean, dude, here you were. You're a diesel guy. You're a you're you're you know obviously a genius diesel guy. Um, you you fly airplanes. You do all this stuff, and then you decide someday one day you're going to get into real estate. Where, yeah, so, yeah. So backing up to high school, my junior and senior year in high school, we we had a class out in tiny little Cowtown, Colorado. We had a class junior year called Construction Trades. It was the first year they started this class. The school bought a lot, an empty lot in town. And as students, our job was to build an entire house that school year. We had somebody else do the excavation, obviously, because we didn't have that equipment, but we formed the foundation. We did the framing, rolled the floor, cabinets, lights, drywall, siding, fireplaces, tile, uh, roofs, uh, trusses, all of it. We did everything except for, you know, hooking up the electrical and in having a plumber do the plumbing. So I learned how to build a house my junior year of high school, senior year. They decided to do the program again, right next, the next lot over. This time it was on caissons with a floating floor and a two-story. So okay. we, we got a huge, huge education in building houses. It was an amazing class. Half of the day when you were done with your, your academics, you would go, you'd either pick the morning class or the afternoon class and you'd go and build this house. So two years of construction trades and learning how to build uh, in high school. Yeah. When I was flying, <clears throat> I got into flying with the forest fires. I did that for five years. But in the wintertime, there's no fires. And so right. I'm bored. And, you know, somebody who's ADHD and has a high T factor, high thrill, you know, wanted something to do in the wintertime. I couldn't just sit around. So I reached out to a friend of mine who was a huge developer back in the, in the big boom of, of the, of the real estate market. And uh, he'd been a friend for a long time. And I said, Hey man, what can a young kid like me do to get into real estate? And at this time I was 25, 24, 25. And he said, Corey, what you need to be doing is building houses. Inventory's low. You build a house, you can sell it. And he goes, in fact, I have an empty lot with plans already approved by the city setbacks variances all approved you buy the lot from me i'll give you the plans and i will teach you how to gc this entire project profit potential about a hundred thousand and i'm like whoa yeah i'm in man i'm in <clears throat> wow hold hold it hold, hold let's back up for a second though 
Because along the way somewhere, didn't you order Dean Graziosi's real estate course too? Or is this was that after this? No, that was back in 2008 when I was running the diesel company. I just bought his book. It was just um, How to oh. Be a Real Estate Millionaire book. Got you. And yeah. so you did, at, at that point, you maybe read part of it or did you read any of it? I did. I actually read the whole thing. And oh. at the end, I got really excited. And I went out and found a Remax real estate agent. And I said, hey, I'm looking for this type of house. And he goes, okay, great. That sounds awesome. But where's the money coming from? And in the book, it said, don't worry about the money. We've got people that'll fund you. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, hey, man, it's coming. Don't worry. He goes, where do you want to go? <laughs> so we find this house. We go under contract on the house and we get really close to closing. I had no clue what the hell was going on at all. And he said, hey, man, I really got to know where, where's the loan for this? Where's the money coming from? And I'm like. Dean said it's coming. <laughs> Don't know, man. I read this book and I got to the end of the book and he said that they would fund it. So I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> and oh gosh, it was so funny. He goes, that Dude, have to cancel funny in the moment. And I'm like, uh, well, cancel it, I guess. Oh I, my I God. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, was my, yeah, that was my first little <laughs> into, into real estate. No clue what the hell is going on at all. Oh my God. That is so funny, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'll bet he made a good friend out of that realtor. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think we talked after that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, okay. So back to the project that's going to net you out a hundred thousand bucks on, on this thing. You're going to, you're going to do be the GC, the general contractor, right? Yeah. And uh, so uh, I bought the lot. I got okay. the plans at closing and as soon as he left closing, poof, disappeared. Couldn't get a hold of him, was gone. Oh and, no. And I was like, oh, um, all right. Well, I mean, I've got two years of construction trades. I know how to read plans. I know how to read engineering plans. So I, I've got the found the engineered foundation plan and I'm looking at it and it's showing, you know, where to cut and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I go home, grab the skid steer, and I start digging out this lot per the plan, stake it all out. And at about a foot and a half down, it starts getting really soupy. And I'm like, gosh, what's going on? So I keep digging just to see what's going on. Because I always like to go to the, you know, to the edge of the cliff and then jump off knowing that you're, yeah. you know, so I just keep going. And at this time, my whole machine sinks into the ground. And it's um, a running stream of water at about a foot and a half, two feet down in this, in this excavation. Uh, so I get out and I look at the plans and I call the, the, the geotech and I'm like, Hey man, uh, I'm out here at country club parkway and I'm excavating this lot and I got water at a foot and a half down. He's like, I told you not to excavate that lot. And I'm like, Oh, oh geez. you probably told the dude that sold it to me. He goes, did you buy this from so-and-so? And I'm like, yep. He goes that month. All right. Fine. Uh, there this afternoon. He comes out and he looks at it and he goes, oh, dude. He goes, yeah, you're in trouble. He goes, you weren't supposed to excavate this lot. He goes, there was uh, water. And I'm like, oh. He goes, yeah, you can't, you, you, can't, you can't build on this on this platform. You have to backfill 12 feet, not cut 12. And oh, like, my gosh. Oh, so what do I do? I got this lot that I paid $25,000 for. And he goes, well, he goes, we can we can engineer a curtain drain is going to cost you 40 grand, probably add about six months to your build. I'm like, gosh, I, I don't know. And 
Same thing in the diesel shop. I'm like, I either quit and give up or I bite the bullet and I just go. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see this project through. The 40 grand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was just the start of this whole project. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the, we go through, we get it all done. It takes me two years. It takes me two years to finish this project. I get the house built. I'm interviewing the real estate agent at the end. And she goes, yeah, this is going to be, you know, almost $40,000 in commission. I'm like, oh, that's my profit. And I wasn't licensed at the time. And granted, you could sell your own property, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right, right. Uh, so at the very end, two years later, I finished the project and I broke even. I made no money. I lost two years of my time, but I gained two years of ginormous experience. Right, right. Big, big lessons to be learned in that. It, it was a great. So how I got into real estate was... I pretty much jumped off the deep end in a pool that I didn't know how to swim without a life jacket. That <laughs> that's how I got. Um, wow. And you didn't, that was it. That was your first place. Like you didn't have any other properties, any other no, real estate. I, I had nothing. I had nothing that I thought that I was going to, I thought that I was going to be a spec builder. I thought that I could build these houses, make a hundred grand on each one. I'll just go find empty lots. I already <laughs> had the first one done. I'll just keep them going. Oh my God. Yeah. Bad idea for, for, a, for a single builder. That is a tough, tough thing to do. Wow, dude. So, um, good for you and your, your ten, tenacity, man. So, so you, um, you saw it all the way through paid the realtor $40,000 commission, which was your profit. And, yep. and, and you were like, okay, I'm done. Not doing this real yeah, estate. Yeah. stupid. Yep. Kind of out. yep. Going back to the diesel world. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I wasn't going back. I wasn't going back to diesel. I was, uh, too, I was too far ahead. Yeah. To go back. Yeah. So what happened then? What happened after that? So you, you, you got, you, at least you sold this place, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, yeah. And, thank God. Whew. And wow. broke even. Um, so what happened next? So that's when I realized if, if this agent's going to come into my project and do literally nothing after I worked two years to build this house, all you're going to do is write up a, a, a probably a pretty <laughs> poor description. You're going to put it on the MLS with some crappy photos. You're going to make 40 grand. Right. And here I am sitting there thinking like, it's like you have a license to print money. I need one of those. How do I get what <laughs> right. I need? And that's what got me into uh, become licensed. So I worked on getting my license, got my real estate license, and uh, started selling houses. Did really, really well. Quickly found out that it takes the same amount of time to sell a normal house as it does to sell a luxury, ginormous house. Right. So I quickly got into the luxury market, started figuring out that a 40 and a $60,000 paycheck was a lot better than a 10 to a $20,000 paycheck. Yeah. Did that. The luxury market crashed. It turned into a buyer's market was really, really tough. But what I realized being a real estate agent is every time that you finish a sale, kind of like selling cars, so maybe the same thing is right. like you're, you're unemployed after that. You have to go find another buyer, another seller, somebody else to help them 
buy or sell a house and hopefully you have a pipeline, right? And you can just keep that going. But when the pipeline dries up, you're unemployed. Right. And what I couldn't figure out is how all of these bigger people were having these investments, this real estate pay them every single month. And they're out on boats and Hawaiian t-shirts and having all sorts of fun. Right. And so that's when I really wanted to start to figure out how I could transition out of being an agent into being an investor. And we all know, we all watch Shark Tank, right? Back then it was on channel AB in Denver, it was channel seven, ABC. We watched yeah. it Friday night. I was completely enraptured by that TV show. And there was, I was Googling how to invest in real estate, I think. And it popped up, said local Shark Tank with real sharks, real investors uh, this December coming up in like two weeks. First members free. So I attended that meeting. And I started realizing that there's other ways to buy investment properties than going to a bank, putting 20% down, getting a loan. Because in Denver today, the average sales price in Denver is 500,000. It's half a million bucks. Yeah. If you put 20% down on a half a million, we're talking a hundred grand. Right. Not a whole lot of people have a hundred thousand dollars to be putting down on investment properties let alone cap rates are so compressed here in Denver and all over the country that returns are really low. So if you were getting a $200, $300 cash flow out of your property, which is about common right now in Denver, and you put up, you put up a hundred thousand dollars, you're getting a, you're getting a 2% return on your money. It's, I mean, you might as well make it safe and just go put it in a bank. You know, because it's yeah. safer there. It's, it's insured by the by the FDIC. Right. So, yeah. So I, I realized, and not only that, if not everybody has chunks of cash like that. Right. Right. So I found out and realized from that meeting that there are creative strategies, creative ways to buy property quickly without having to go through this huge bank loan process. But you like you would, and this is right pretty quickly after you had spent two years building that other place and breaking even, um, right? The, I mean, we're yeah, talking the same time period. period. Yeah, right after. So I, I yeah. immediately got licensed uh, in 2014, did my first sale in 2015, bought my first creative, creatively purchased property in 2015. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it happened almost, it was all a progression really quick. But so you weren't, you weren't discouraged. Uh, wh what do you mean? From the, the spending two years building that place and breaking even on it. No. And I think the reason why I wasn't discouraged is because I knew that real estate worked for other people. It's just, you see yeah. other people doing well in real estate. It's just, I had to go find, I, I was talking to the executive director of, uh, the national RIA the other night and we had a, a huge dinner. And he talks about education and real estate being two things, a horizontal and yeah. a vertical. Okay. He said, when you learn the horizontal in real estate, whether you wholesale, you build, you sell, you fix and flip, you buy and hold, you buy and sell notes, whatever piece you feel that you can make money in or you feel comfortable in, then you go to that vertical and you dive deep in that. Yeah. And I figured out right. that's how people make money in real estate is they figure out where their vertical is first and then they go really, really hard and fast in that vertical. Because okay. 
same thing. Chase two rabbits, they both escape, right? So yeah. if you're trying to wholesale, you're trying to fix and flip, you're trying to buy and hold, it's not going to work. Right. Eventually, you can start adding those into your portfolio, but you got to get really good at one thing. Building, I did okay. I knew how to build a house, but what I didn't know is how to properly monetize it where you know i was getting labor at a good discount i was getting supplies at a good discount because when you're just a one-off guy they don't give you those ginormous discounts you you really right. screwed <laughs> <laughs> right so 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 what so you picked what what which which vertical i yeah so i i picked buy and hold because one okay. thing i wanted to do i was young and i realized if i start now because we we live in in, in non-refundable minutes right so yeah Every minute we have, we're never going to get it back. And it's just a matter of how are you spending your minutes every single day? And the older that I get, even though I'm still fairly young, I realized I wasted a lot of time not being able to stack money away and build wealth <clears throat> in all sorts of avenues. And what I wanted to do is not waste any more time. Right. And if you fix and flip, same problem. You buy a house, you fix, you flip it. Now all of a sudden you're unemployed because you had a you employed yourself as a job because when right. the house is sold, you're done with it. It will no longer make you any more money. That's it. What you got out of it, it's done. Unless somehow you go and buy it again and, and do it all over, but you're done with that one house. Right. I wanted that one house to pay me over and over and over and over and over. I wanted that goose to keep laying the golden eggs and there is a time in real estate you have to kill the golden goose <laughs> there there are some times when that happens but really uh, yeah you, you to, to move to the next level you gotta you gotta you gotta, <laughs> you gotta shoot the goose and and invest it into something bigger wow you don't you don't like geese yeah well it depends they have to lay golden yeah. eggs for it to be a for for it to be a good thing yeah so, so, so you really started getting into the buying properties, holding on to them, renting them out. So you, right. Yeah. And, and it came quickly. I, I think it was a matter of luck, but also luck favors the prepared. So yeah. if, if you're prepared to do this and, and you, and you stay in gratitude, it just seems like this stuff kind of starts attracting to you. Right. Um, yeah. And I did the first one, it quickly rolled into the next, into the next, into the next. And I used Facebook as, as a means to do this also, where I was letting everybody know what I was doing. Like, Hey, we just closed on this property. I helped this person out of foreclosure. It was a really good deal. Someone read that and said, Hey, Corey, my daughter's in the same spot and we're a little embarrassed to reach out. We're not sure if you can help us. So then I wrote a story about that. I was able to help that, that family out of foreclosure somebody else read it and said hey my boyfriend is i think is going through the same thing can you help him yeah and it snowballed so fast in in the beginning and and that really helped it, it really did help me get get so many properties really quick but the thing is but not not only that i and i i want to interrupt you for a second it didn't just help you build your portfolio, dude, you were literally helping people. Like you had people, you've told me some of the stories I've heard them like people that are like, and I've been through foreclosure in that time period. So I know what it's like, man. And, and, and like you're helping you, you literally help people that just don't know what in the world to do. 
which is really i i've i found out later on that ended up becoming the huge driver of the creative real estate yeah and and buying and help and helping so many people because the young kid who was 18 years old that went through a divorce couldn't afford the house was going to give the house up didn't know what to do was going to file bankruptcy and mm -hmm. was going to let the house go into foreclosure and he didn't know any better i helped him out of that entire situation he didn't have to file bankruptcy he didn't have to let the house go into foreclosure and now he's he's probably 24 23 24 and able to move on in life and didn't have this this huge bad like dark side looming over his life and his credit right, right. you don't know anything about you know most people don't know much about credit anyway so i think now maybe he realized that i really saved his buns <laughs> by doing that yeah yeah wow so so um <clears throat> somebody asked he's on facebook and instagram kevin so so um so you started so you started building this like and it happened quickly um and and i know and we could go all day talking about all of the because you've done some amazing things but at some point you started getting into multifamily as well right yeah so going back and, and some people are like why why would you just not go get loans why because there's a 10 loan limit you can only have 10 loans before they cut you off so oh. to 10 loans you have to start getting creative of, of how you're going to start buying property uh because when you hit the 10 limit you're done they cut you out wow okay so it it's it's inevitable that everybody who hits the 10 loan limit you have to start figuring out other creative ways and you can get into commercial loans and whatnot but it's a lot easier to buy properties creatively so once i started going down this road this road i started flipping some of the properties that i had these were come a couple of the golden geese that i was that i was killing off which would produce a lot of equity so one thing i wanted to do was to get into multifamily and how yeah. i started was syndicating i partnered up with a uh, another real estate agent here and we ran this uh this syndication company for uh, about a year and a half and we were syndicating really really big deals and what does that what, what what do you mean syndicating so syndicating is where is, is exact same thing that grant cardone does oh grant, grant cardone go <clears throat> finds the properties puts the deals together he underwrites them meaning he does he, he crunches all of the numbers figures out this is the return this is how much down payment money we have and grant does exactly what i do he uses other people's money for the down payment or to to replace his down payment and then he uses Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac to bring the loan to the table. Grant okay. exact same thing as using other people's money. And so that's what we were doing. We would go and find the deal. We'd underwrite it, find out, oh, it's a great deal. 15% return, good cap rate going in, good cap rate coming out. And then we would go raise the funds. Sometimes it was a hundred people in the fund. Sometimes it was one person in the fund that said, hey, I want this whole thing. I'll write you one check for 2 million. And that was the down payment and then the the government would come in and back the rest exact same thing that that grant cardone's doing and so you can accelerate real fast doing that wow but that was a lot of work for about the same amount of return if i took that same amount of cash 
and put it into crowdfunding in, into these platforms online. So okay. they're, they're all over now. There's Fundrise, Realty Shares, GroundFloor.us, CrowdStreet, all over. And you could put your funds into these deals and get a really good return. You don't have to go find the properties. You don't have to underwrite them. They do that for you. All you do is you put your funds in and whether it's a dividend fund or an equity fund or debt fund, whatever it is, they pay out based on that. So I realized it's a hell of a lot easier to start moving my funds into doing crowd, crowdsourcing than it was to go out and actually syndicate all of these deals because it was taking time away. It takes an enormous amount of time and a really big team to go and do syndication on your own. So when, when I say that I have my fingers in that many apartments, it's because I have funds in every one of those. So I don't control and I don't direct any of that. I just have funds into those. You know, I've got money into those funds. Right. Right. Well, I mean, does, does grant control? I mean, I, is it the same thing? Like, yeah, grant now grant does control a lot. Cause he's got a nice team that does this for him. He doesn't do this. Oh. You know, he doesn't do it personally. Uh, yeah. I know he's heavily involved in it, but yeah, um, Grant does do a lot of the the management and control. Now, not management of tenants, but management of the property. Gotcha. So he doesn't send out eviction notices. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, wow, dude. Um, now, you also have people managing this stuff, right? Like you, you've got pe like people don't call you to fix their toilet, do they? No, but I do manage the properties. And this is one thing that I got really good at. <clears throat> and I also found out with, with all, nearly 70 properties now, if I took my cash flow and I took 10% off of the top, that's almost $6,000 a month in management fees. $6,000 a month will buy you almost a $2 million house for free. Like that, that, that amount of money you could go put into your, into a $2 million yeah. house and live there just on yeah. what you would pay in management fees. So I decided I was going to manage all of the properties, the single family houses myself. And I, I got a really good system from David Tilney. He teaches hassle-free property management. It's a little bit different than how most people do it, but I adopted his system and that's how I manage all of my rentals now. And a lot of people who hang around me all day long, kind of like, dude, I never hear like tenants call you. Like what, how does that work? How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. I'll get one or two. Uh, but I make sure that I put the right tenants in the property up front. And I'll tell you, it's a lot better to have a, a vacant property than to have the wrong tenants. 100%. And, and I do, I do have vacant properties that I will wait until I go through 50 applications to find the right tenant because it makes all of the difference in the world, how they treat your property, whether they pay rent, whether you have to go bug them every single month. Right. Huge difference to where you could go live your life and have kind of this ATM machine running in the background. Right. I, I love, I love your, um, <laughs> you have a t-shirt and you're always putting it on Instagram right around the first of the month. You're yeah. like, it says rents due or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I always ask what side of the coin are you on? That's for sure. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, here you are with, 
with, you know, 6,000 ish rental properties um, or whatever it is. I, I don't know what the number is now. Um, five, 6,000 properties that you're invested in. Yeah. And, and we call them doors. We'll call them doors because some doors. of these properties, you know, have 200 doors in, in one location. Right. Right. That, that, yeah, those, right. Oh, I'm saying, I'm saying properties. You're saying, I got it. Yeah. 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 But you have, you also have, now that's, you have over 5,000 in these, these funds and partnerships and all of that. Yeah. And then you have like 70 on your own, like 70. Yeah, single single families. families. Yep. That's insane, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I'll be honest. Sometimes it gets to be a lot. There's sometimes when you have some things that all happen at once. Uh, one thing that happened the end of last year, we had like five or six dishwashers go out all at the same time. What? And, <laughs> what? It, it's weird. It's, it's, and it, the things just come in, in, in bundles. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, or like you have, roofing problems on five of your properties all at the same time. And so that those things do happen and they do take a little bit of your time to go deal with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so dude, I, we're at an hour and we're all over an hour already. I can't even go fast. Go so like fast. That, boom, gone. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this because uh, again, it's the internet and my show, we can go all day if we want. Um, <laughs> But but here's the thing, man. I I do want to respect people's time. So, um, it, it, people get stuck in life, man. I mean, you're only like 28. I'm kidding. I don't know how old you are. I'm, I have yeah, no clue. 28 for the fifth time. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're like you're you're in your earlier mid 30s. Like you're young, man. Yeah, and you, yeah. You've, you've accomplished all of this stuff already. And there are people that are much older than you and much younger than you that, that get stuck. They get stuck in life. They hit a wall and they get stuck there and they don't know how to get through. And, you know, maybe some people look at you and go, well, Corey, you had great parents and a great upbringing. And that's why you're just lucky or what I mean. But that's, I know you very well. That's not the case. You, I mean, it is the case. I know you have great parents and you had a great upbringing, but you've had hardships and, and you've had to figure out how to get through them. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is, is success doesn't come without any sort of getting punched in the face first. Right. And, and, or, or drug through the dirt. And, and growing up, man, I, I got in trouble a lot. I was always in the principal's office. And uh, going through diesel, the diesel business, there was a couple times where we didn't have any trucks to work on. And I'm like, gosh, what am I going to do? But yes, you always get drugged through the dirt. But the biggest thing is you may be tempted to let it go, let go of your dreams, because we all have these things that we envision in our brain of what we want to do and where we want to go. And if we just understood that all of it is attainable, every bit of it is achievable, as long as you hold it there in your brain and never let go of it ever. Don't right. ever kid yourself that you can't do it. And I, I remember I tell people, you know, stop putting teas on the end of your cans uh, because oh. if you hold it in, 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 cause um, who was this? Uh, Napoleon Hill said everything you uh, believe 
and conceive, you can achieve. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, you can come in here. So uh, I think the biggest thing that helped me, hi, I think the biggest thing that helped me was to never let go of that dream. And, you know, grapes get crushed to make wine. Olives get smashed and seeds grow in darkness. And so mm. whenever you feel crushed or in the dark or pressed, just know that greatness is just on the other side of that as long as you keep stepping forward, always right. moving forward. If you step back, which sometimes you have to, but don't stay there, just keep moving one step after another. Just like with the diesel business, I had a choice to say, screw it or let's do it. And uh, I always had Richard Branson in the back of my brain that I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Did it with the diesel company. I did it with that brand new uh, house that I was building. As long as you trust the process and you hold faith, keep that at the forefront of your mind. I promise it will come. Just do not, do not let go of that faith or that vision that you hold. So Love I think that, that's the biggest thing that has helped me through all of this is not letting go of where I want to go. I love that. I just did a post about that this morning, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I saw it, yeah. People, people think that that it should happen right now, and there shouldn't be any obstacles. <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, if, if you do want to achieve anything great, you have to know that there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be hoops that you have to jump through. But yep. if you're willing to jump through them, just know and trust the process. It will be on the other side. It's it's like it's like being out on your property excavating this brand new piece of land that you just bought, and your I don't know, couple two three hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment sinks down into the into the muck, and you're like, in that moment, those those hours uh, that it took to get that equipment out of the muck, I'm sure it took a long a lot of work. Yeah, to get yeah, that thing yeah. unstuck, right? Yeah, we had to have a big excavator come in and, and actually pull it out. Right, right. Yeah. And and so some people get stuck right there, like, oh, okay, buying a piece of property and doing this real estate stuff means I'm gonna get a three hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment stuck in the muck every time. I'm out, I ain't doing it, right? Yeah, instead, you're like, no, man, we can we can find a way around it. It may cost a little bit of time or money right now, but we can get there. So, so for the person right now that's stuck in their programming, right? Because we all have this programming for the one that's stuck there and they can't like, maybe their, their electrics getting shut off. Maybe they are going through what they can't eat. They can't, whatever it is. What do you say to them in this moment to encourage them to pull out of it, man, go stomp on the gas. You know, the, the biggest thing that helps me when, when I get in this situation is to listen to some of the greatest motivators. And David Goggins is one of them. That dude, not only does he get beat to shit, he beats himself to shit, but it, it look oh. at what it did to him. I yeah. mean, that dude created a calloused mind when he was ginormous. God, what do he weigh? Almost 300 pounds. Yep. Yep. And, and, and I mean, he was at those points, same situation. And if you keep listening to that over and over, and some people say, we don't have time. 
like you've got time to brush your teeth in the morning. You've got time to listen to a little segment on YouTube of Ed Milet, David Goggins or whatnot. But if, it, yeah. if it's a money thing, if you truly are really out of money for right now and you need something fast and you don't have any loans, don't have any credit cards or whatnot, I think the quickest way to get out of that slump really, really fast is something that uh, Gary V teaches. And I think it is brilliant. You go to Craigslist and you find the free section, take that stuff and go list it on the marketplace on Facebook. And you could make a couple thousand dollars in a weekend just doing that. You're yep. providing value and that will pull you out of immediate dire financial straits. And it's not a lot, but it will get you there. And if it happens again, you just open up the machine until you get comfortable and stable. That is a great strategy to use if the electric is truly getting shut off. Right. That is the easiest, quickest way to do it. Uh, but Dude, never, I, ever lose track of your vision ever right. that is the, when, when I went through some hard times last year, last year was probably my greatest year, but it was also my most challenging year. I got drugged through the mud, kicked in the teeth. Uh, and I just kept where I was going at the forefront of my mind. Always. Yeah. I just, this is where I'm going and that's where I'm staying. <clears throat> you are one of, uh, again, if you guys didn't gather it from this hour and 10 minutes we've been together here, this guy is one of the smartest people that I know on the planet, if not the smartest. Oh, well. Um, and, and, and dude, your tenacity. <laughs> and he's also funny, even though he's wearing that big old red obnoxious watch. <laughs> hey, man, doesn't it look good? I love that watch. I told you, I've told you a million times. Uh, next time I see you, if you're wearing that watch, we're probably going to have to fight for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm kidding, man. So Corey, look, man, you know, I, I, I love the heck out of you. Um, you've got a course, you've got a course, you're teaching people this real estate stuff and it's yeah. simple. It's simple. It is. So tell everybody about your course. I'm actually going to type it into one of these banners and, and scroll it on the screen. What's what's the website address? I'll type that so in. So it's uh it's Corey J. Calvin forward slash course. Now I think you actually have to type it into a browser to make it work, but CoreyJcalvin.com forward slash course. And so many people have come to me and asked how are you buying these properties with little to no money down? I don't understand it, but you're doing such a great job. Last yeah. year, we launched this course to uh, about 50 people. They all went through it. And, and one of my favorite people in there uh, is Lisa Johnson in North, in North Carolina. She called it, she's such an amazing lady. Uh, she called it a recipe book. Uh, for buying property. And it truly is. I take you from all, from knowing nothing to either holding or flipping at the very end. Start to finish, we go all the way from the beginning, all the way to the end. It's now an eight-week course. It's truly six weeks, but we put some implementation weeks in there. Yeah. So if this is something you're interested in and you want to learn how to do it, or maybe you have a couple investment properties and you just ran out of cash. This is a great way how to get to the next to the next one. Yeah, so we're going to launch that the first of February. 
That's so awesome, man. Yeah. And they get they get coaching with you. Like coaching, we do, yeah. And and it's one of those things where I just over deliver when because I just don't go in there, give them, give them the training and say, Good luck. I hope you're hope you do good. We do the training, we do Q and A's, we do yeah. a mastermind of deals, and yeah. then I have stayed supportive to that entire group. No matter what they need, I'm always active helping them every single day because real estate situations are not cookie cutter. It's each one is different. Yeah. And you, I mean, dude, you've, you've called, you called me up one day and you're like, you're like, Hey, and you're like, I, and it, this was out of the blue. I just got to tell this story and then we'll get off here in a minute. But, but like, you're like, I found this uh, property right down the street from where you live. I want you to go look at it. And I go, what? <laughs> and you're like, I want you to go look at it. I go, what am I looking for? You're like, I'll tell you, just look for that. And, and we're going to partner up on this thing. We're going to buy this. And it was a hundred units or 50. I forget how many. And I'm like, what? And you're like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And I'm like, why are you stalking my neighborhood, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, cause I want to get into business doing stuff with you, man. And, and I like, it's like, that's who this guy is. You guys got to understand that that's, that's his heart. He cares about people. He genuinely cares about people and he wants to help everybody and see everybody win. So go get signed up for his course. I don't even, it's not even that much, is it? No. Uh, in, in fact, there's, I, oh, I have a discount. You know what? I have a discount for everybody that's on today. Uh, if you go there and you type in invest with less, Oh, oh, there what it is. is right there. Yeah. Megan. She What's up, Megan? Oh, I didn't even see her on here. What's up, Megan? I love Megan. She's awesome. She, yeah. She, she's the bomb diggity. Oh, and it's a different link. Than no, what no, I there's, have. there's two. There's two. I think, I think there's two just in case that's the backup just in case the first one uh, doesn't work. I got you. I got yeah. you. Okay. So works as well with coupon code invest with less. So is it, is it cheap, real cheap? How, what is the price? Yeah. So it's, it's, we're, we're launching it at 1997. When I launched the pilot group, we did it at 400 and I realized it was way too much value. Uh, yeah. Too many people are like, gosh, we, this, we got in way too cheap. Yeah. And uh, so what we did is we did a, a discount to 997 a to Z. If, if real estate is something that you don't know about, but you truly want to get into and get your feet wet and owning your first investment property without having to put up a hundred thousand bucks, this is the perfect way to do it. Put up 997 and learn. And, and I mean, look, you've taught, you've taught me some stuff that blew my mind. I'm like, really? You can like, who was the old um Carlton Sheets? Uh-huh. Yeah. All those cassette tape programs. Yeah. No money down. And and I was like, is that real? And you're like, yeah, it is actually. And I'm like, really? You can buy property with no money down. Dude, it's bizarre. And and it, it is, it's a niche. It's kind of a secret in the industry it, because I've done it so many times over and over and over. Uh <clears throat> and that's the thing, is I I, you're not just buying the course, you're buying Corey. I'm not, anybody who goes through this, I'm not going to let them fail. I'm going to make sure that they get what they came here for at the end. So it's not just, you get the course, good luck. I hope you guys have a great day type thing. It's no, I will hold your hand till the end. 
And the coupon is invest with less, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There, yeah. I just uh, okay. I want to. Oh, oh, that's neat. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, I want to put that on there. So, yeah, yeah, right all right, right there it is, you guys. So, Corey, I freaking love you, dude. You're you're today to provide so much value to everybody. Thanks for sharing my story. I'm glad everybody jumped on. Sorry for interrupting you. Continue. Oh no, 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 man. I, I like you're like a brother from another mother for <laughs> me, dude. So, you know, I I um I'm so grateful for you being in my life and 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 being a friend and um <laughs> Amin Amin says I want to buy Corey. <laughs> he, yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, he's a great guy. I love Amin. So um dude. All right, look, everybody go get his course right now um, or as soon as you can because I, I promise you, you've got my word, this guy over delivers, I promise you that. So, Corey, thank you for being on. Thank you. To, a lot of people have shared this. I've seen a lot of things pop up. So That's amazing. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah. You, you guys are great. I love you so much. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for listening. I know we went to – long and we still have so many people but that's truly oh. because ken has beautiful people follow him that's and cool. you and you <laughs> and you come on man so oh. make sure you follow this guy on instagram and on facebook yes. following he needs okay, more friends i'm there he needs more friends a lot more <laughs> all right don't hang up on me dude all, all right, right we'll see you guys later thank you so much and we will see you bye, soon bye-bye